But today, what we're going to do, we uh, we we are ha- we have a series that we do in between series, if I, I may say, and it's called Generation Essentials. And what we do, we just basically go through some different things um, that the Bible talks about that is key to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus had 12 disciples, um, and as Jesus had disciples that walked with him and followed him, so too we believe that we should be disciples of Jesus and that we should follow Jesus. And so uh, the Bible gives a lot of information about being a disciple, and what we've done, we've crunched it down into nine key things. And so we've already discussed over the last uh, uh, 13 months or so, uh, the key, some of the keys of being a disciple, and that's to gather together with other followers of Jesus Christ in community. Um, to worship God, give our worth unto God in worship. It's to tell our story, to tell others about what Jesus has done in our lives. It's to connect uh, within a church and find your place and find uh, uh, what gifts and talents God has given to you um, so that you can use for God's service. And it's also to grow, actually, as a disciple, learn more about God, learn more about what God is doing in your life as well. But for today, we're going to deal with a subject that may be a little hard for for some people to understand. Um, And it definitely goes contrary to what we are told in the world and what people uh, will tell us in in the world. But before I tell you exactly what it is, uh, I want to tell you about a movie that I watched a few months ago that really impacted my life. And it's actually one of the best movies um, I've seen in the last year. It's a movie called 12 Years a Slave. And if you haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend seeing it. It's a, a very intense movie. Uh, I think you can get a little emotional with the movie. But the basis of the story is this. It's set in 1841, and there's a guy called Solomon Northrop who was a free African-American gentleman who lived in upstate New York. That was a time where in the north of the United States, uh, uh, slavery was illegal and and people who were African-American could live in freedom. But in the southern part of the United States, slavery was still uh, a, a legal act. And people who were of the African-American uh, race, that they were not free and that they would live in slavery. So this guy, Solomon Northrup, was a free man. And one day he took a trip to Washington, D.C. And he met these two guys, and these two guys wined and dined him. Uh, but what the, he didn't know is that they had ulterior motives. And so they actually abducted Solomon Northrup. And they took him to Louisiana, where slavery was, uh, was, was still legal. And they sold him into slavery. They changed his name. And for the next 12 years, he lived as a slave, not as a free man. And, uh, and I'm not probably giving anything away because... The, the title of the movie is 12 Years a Slave. So obviously, he didn't say in slavery all his life. And it eventually, basically, he was able to get out of slavery because people from where he lived in upstate New York found out about him and they were able to reveal his identity. It was a great movie. But I, when I started watching it, I started realizing that our story is very similar to Solomon Northrup's story. You see, you were actually once a person who lived in freedom. 
you were a free person, but then sin came into your life and sin abducted you and then you became a slave to sin. You were no longer a free person. Your mind was controlled by sin. Your heart was controlled by sin and you were not your own. You thought you were your own, but you weren't your own because you were controlled by sin. Then one day, one incredible day, Jesus Christ came along and he saved you from slavery. For some of you, that may have recently happened. For some of you, it happened many, many years ago. Some of you, you were in slavery to sin for a short period of time. Others, you were a slave to sin for a long period of time. But one day, Jesus Christ came and saved you by His grace. He rescued you from the slavery of sin. And He made a promise to you. And the promise was this, that one day, that you will... Go home and you will have an inheritance that will be your own. But for the time being, from the moment he rescued you from sin until that moment that you go home, you are living this life called the human life. And it is a journey on your way home. And Colossians chapter 1 tells us about this. It says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, For he, meaning God, rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. That was the kingdom of sin, the slavery to sin. And transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's Jesus. Who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So this is telling us that we were a slave to sin and Jesus came And he purchased our freedom. However, there's a condition to all this. And the condition is this. In order to stay living in freedom, we're not to go back to living in sin. We're not to look back and think, well, I had a pretty good life back there while I I was a slave. I'm going to go back and just dabble a little bit in that old life. Because if you do, then sin will come and enslave you again. And it will capture you. It will try to snatch you back. But now you are God's because God has purchased you with what we call a high price. That was the death on the life of his son, Jesus Christ. And so this is the promise now that God gives to each and every one of you. And I love this. It's found in Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, by his divine power... God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. See what Peter said that he says that by his divine power, God has given us everything that we need to live a godly life. Everything we need to live this godly life. For it is God who gives us the strength to live a godly life. It is God who gives us the ability to get back on our feet when sin has knocked us down. 
It is God who gives us the ability to live in freedom. And it's God who gives us the provision so that we can live this life. And it is through Jesus and the words of Jesus that he teaches us how to live in freedom and not live in slavery. Jesus used many stories and biblical uh, to teach biblical lessons. He used stories to teach them to his disciples. And one of the greatest lessons that Jesus gave time and time again was this lesson. That we are not to hold on to the things of this life that enslave us. But we're to give them away. And I call this gender essential. Are you a giver? Are you a giver? One of the greatest lies the enemy of your soul, which is Satan, will tell you is this. That all that you have is yours and yours to do with what you wish. That's what the enemy will tell you. Everything that you have is yours and it's yours to do with what you wish. You know, when I was a, a child, uh, one of my favorite stories and, and uh, TV shows or movies, I should say, was uh, C.S. Lewis's novel, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And for those of you who have never seen it or don't know, I'm like, where have you been? But anyway, but I'll give you a quick illustration. There was four kids, they go through a wardrobe, they find themselves in this new land called Narnia, where there's all these different creatures, and there's a king that is a lion, and then there is a witch who's called the Ice Queen, and they're at war with each other. And so the kids go into Narnia, and then there's this one kid called Edmund, and Edmund encounters the Ice Queen. The Ice Queen is not good. But the Ice Queen, she comes to Edmund, and she's like, oh, this loving, this loving woman. And she comes and she gives him some hot chocolate and something called Turkish Delight. Now, for many of you Americans, you may not know what Turkish Delight is. But it's this sweet, this like candy that you either love or hate. I'll eat it if that's all there is, but otherwise, if there's other stuff, I won't eat it. And it's like this rubbery stuff, like, and then it's got powder stuff on there. Tastes like perfume, if you ask me. But anyway, but some people like it. And Edmund loved it. So she gave Edmund this Turkish delight, and as she gives him the Turkish delight, he starts to eat it, and he's like, mmm, this is the best Turkish delight I've ever eaten in my life. I don't know why C.S. Lewis didn't, like, just do, like, chocolate or you know or like I don't know something else like definitely not Hershey's but anything else but Hershey's but Turkish delight I wasn't sure why he said this but anyway so he gives him this Turkish delight and Edmund starts to eat the Turkish delight and the more he eats it the more he wants of the Turkish delight and the ice queen says this to Edmund she says she says he says can I have some more and he says Edmund of course it's yours you can have as much as you like. Which Edmund's thinking, man, this is great. I'm having all this Turkish delight. It's wonderful. But the problem was, C.S. Lewis explains that the Turkish delight is enchanted. And whoever eats it has this feeling that they want more and more and more. And greed grows in their hearts. Eventually... The ice queen enslaves the people who comes near her. She freezes them and they can't live the life that they want to live. 
All because she enchanted them or she seduced them with saying you can have more of this if you want. And this is what the enemy of our soul will tell us. He'll often say that the things that you possess or the things that you you earn, they are yours. They're to do with as you wish. But the problem is the more we get of them, the more we start to burn with greed and the more that we want. And suddenly we find ourselves enslaved to these things that we possess. But there's good news. And the good news is that Jesus has given us a solution to this problem of being enslaved to sin. And if you want to become a better and a more effective disciple of Jesus, then you need to start to understand what Jesus is saying when it comes to our possessions and the things that that we gain and we gather. And so this morning, there's four questions I want you to ask yourselves. I want everyone of us this morning to ask ourselves. And if you answer no to any of them, then don't worry. It just means that there's some work that you probably need to do in your life. If you want to walk in the freedom that Christ has purchased for you. And we're going to use two stories that that Jesus told to his disciples. So the first story is called the young rich man. It's found in Matthew chapter 19 and it starts at verse 16. So we're going to read this. And this is what it says. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I have or must I do to have eternal life? And that's just humanity. We think that we have to do so much in order to gain eternal life. Jesus says, why ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But to answer your question anyway, if you want to receive eternal life, then just keep my commandments. So Jesus is saying, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is like, come on, you should know these commandments by now to this guy. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him. If you want to be perfect, and I know you want to be perfect this morning, don't you? You all want to be perfect. If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they said. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, Everything is possible. So Jesus told this young man, he says, okay, you've got, you're doing pretty well for yourself. You know, you're probably driving around in your BMW and you're doing pretty well. You know, you're not worried about money each month. 
You know, you can pay your bills. You can throw crazy parties for your kids. You know, you can go on nice vacations. You're doing pretty well for yourself. If you want to gain eternal life, okay, get rid of it all. That's what Jesus is saying to him. Get rid of it all. And you know, when you read this, you think, suddenly think, man, Jesus, why did you say stuff like that? You know, I mean, it, if, if I'm Jesus, you know, I'm thinking, I, if I tell people that they can have like loads more stuff if they follow me, then you're going to get loads more people following you. I'm like, Jesus, don't say that, because if you say that, no one's going to want to follow you. And I used to think this was about becoming poor. And that we have to, we can't live a good life. We can't live a life where we are blessed, that we have to give everything away. But I've discovered that isn't what Jesus is saying. Because this story is not about giving everything away and having nothing. This story is about ownership. And dealing with the mentality that we think we own what we possess. But in this life, in reality, we will never own anything. Because there's a day that this life will end for you, and you will go to the grave, and you will not be able to take one dime with you. Because when eventually you go home to heaven, God has got so much more for you. He's got this huge inheritance that you will own. But in this life right now, you own nothing. And so, we're going to ask these questions. The first question I want to ask you, this, or I want you to ask yourself is this. Am I giving the things I, free, I have freely to God? Am I giving the things I have freely to God? When you think about the things that you possess... Do you think they're yours or are they God's? Who is the owner of what you possess? You know, in 1997, the UK had to give the city of Hong Kong back to China. You see, for 99 years, the, the UK in it had, had taken the governance of Hong Kong and they created one of the greatest cities of this world. There was so much money, so much, so much uh, uh, economic goodness in, in this place. It was expensive to live. It was better than anything China had. But in 1997, a transaction happened where the UK freely gave Hong Kong back to China. You see, in 1898, they had signed an agreement that, that the UK would lease this land that they called Hong Kong from China. But in 99 years, the lease would end. And in 1997, that lease ended and they had to give it back freely to China. There was no like, oh, well, it's mine now. You know, we look at all the stuff that we've done to it. It's ours. There was no, well, let's see if we can get out of this agreement. No, they freely gave Hong Kong back to China. And that's like the stuff that you have in your life like a lease for this life. You have what? 80 years, you know, maybe. Maybe less than 80 years to live this life. And then you will gain things in this life, but it's like a lease and you will have to give it back once this life is done. And all that you have is God's. See, I believe that God does not want you to be unhappy. 
I think God wants you to be happy. In fact, I am a believer that God wants to bless you. I believe some of you, you go through hard times for a reason. But ultimately, I believe that God wants to bless you. However, in order to find true happiness in this life, it's not about gaining possessions. In fact, it's about realizing that God is the owner of all things. And you are just the guardian of what you have, not the owner. And when we claim ownership, it's like eating that Turkish delight that Edmund in the Chronicles of Narnia ate. And we start to become greedy. And our God starts to become our possessions instead of the one true God. And just like this young, rich man, we start to hold on to our possessions. And that's why Jesus said to this guy, give it all away. It's become your God. And so I ask you today, are you freely giving the things that you have back to God. There's a lady in the Bible called Hannah. She had a child called Samuel. And this is the first thing she did with the child. She thanked God for it. And then she says, God, I'm giving this child back to you. I realize that this is a child that you have given me, but it is your child, not my own. And that is what God wants you to do with your life. Give it back to God. Second question I've got for you today. Is my giving sacrificial to God? Is my giving sacrificial to God? You see, Jesus wanted to know to this young rich man how much of a sacrifice he could make for Jesus. Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, then you've got to make a sacrifice. Something that hurts. Something that's going to be tough for you to do. And I've discovered over the last 35 years of my life, Something that many people don't understand. God doesn't want your money. God does not want your money. God wants your heart. He wants your heart. Humanity is so enslaved to money. This culture that we live in is so enslaved to money that it's captured our hearts. You know, the Bible is, is full of commands about giving financially to God. And there's more commands about that than the most of the things that we think the Bible says. But it's not because the church wants your money or God wants your money. It's because God knows once you give up that vice grip on your money or maybe your lack of money, because that can equally be your God, a lack of money, than lots, gaining lots of money. Then God can take you by the hand and he can start to lead you in the life as he designed for you and the blessings that he wants for you. But the problem is we've got this vice grip on our possessions and especially our money. I've discovered that money is the enemy of God. Money is the enemy of God. But resources are the blessings of God. And this world will tell you, you need money. You need so much money to live this life. I'll tell you this morning, you don't need money to live. You don't need money to live. You need resources to live. And God has an abundance of resources at his hand. 
And so often we think, I need money, I need money, I need money, I need money. But God's saying, no, you need resources. And I've got them in abundance. See, the young rich man could not lose his grip on his money. And it caused his life to become a slave to money. And if he had just loosened that grip a little, God would have taken him by the hand and he would have shown him the abundance of resources that he could have given to him. So are you giving sacrificially to God? The next story I want us to share this morning, and very quickly, it's found in Matthew chapter 25. And we'll start reading at verse 14. It says, again, Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Dividing it proportionally to the abilities that they had. Then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. And then the Bible says that the master came back and he said to the guy with the five bags, how many bags have you made for me? And the guy says, I've earned five more. And the guy says, well done, servant. Let's have a party and celebrate. And then he said to the guy with the two bags of silver, how many bags have you earned for me? And the guy says, two bags of silver. I've earned two more. And the, guy, and the master says, well done. Let's have a party and then celebrate. And then in verse 24, it says, then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I know you are a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why did you deposit or why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered to take the money from his ser- from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. Then he says, To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have and abundance. I never understood this parable for years. I was like, what's so wrong with the guy like not wanting to lose a buck or two? I'm like, what's wrong in just burying it in the ground, saying, hey, here's your money back? But then I realized that buck wasn't just a buck. The master wanted that money to be used as a seed. And a seed that isn't planted is useless. I think the only thing you can do with a seed that's not planted is maybe put it on salad or something. You know? But a seed is supposed to be planted so that it can grow. And so the third question I have for you today, or I want you to ask yourself is, am I careful with the resources God has given me? Am I careful with the resources God has given me? When you look at your money, you look at your possessions, look at your house, look at your family and your kids, look at your education. What is your goal for them? What is the purpose of them in your life? Is it just to have a nice life? 
See, I believe God has given them to you so you can use them for His purposes. You see, giving is not about just putting money in an offering plate. And please understand me that, because that is not what this sermon is about. Giving is about using your resources to tell people about Jesus. To help people move from the slavery of sin that they are in to so that they realize that there is freedom in Jesus Christ. See, when you gain in this life, when you gain or you get something in this life, don't be like the third servant who just buried it away, stored it away in fear, saying, well, I'm not sure what tomorrow's going to happen, keeping it for yourself. Instead, be like the first and the second servants who understood they had been given this seed from the master and the seed was designed to grow. And what God has given to you, God has given it so that you can use it for his purposes. And I believe when you use it for his purposes, he will give you more and more. The last question I have for you today, and we'll close with this. Do I believe in the provision of God? Do I believe in the provision of God? The number one reason people hold on to their stuff is because they are fearful if they give it away, they won't get anything back. People don't want to lose. I don't want to lose. And the young rich man, he thought that if he gave away his wealth, he would never be wealthy again. The third servant, he was so fearful of losing that he failed to advance. And this is a human problem. We all deal with it. We find it hard to trust. We find it hard to walk in faith. But yet, have you noticed the little child? The children we got over at the house that are being taught. They'll come to you and they're not worrying. Oh, you know, I just don't know what we're going to do tomorrow. I don't know how we're, 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 we're going we're gonna to cope. I, I, I just don't know if maybe when I get to 65, if I'm going to have enough to retire. They're, they're, they're not thinking, oh, I, I just don't know if we're going to be able to pay the mortgage this month. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure if, if we're going to have to cut the cable bill or, or do this or do that. They're not worried at all. You know why? Because they're not the owner. You're the owner. They're not worried because... They trust in their mother and their father to take care of it. And you know what Jesus says? He says, why are you worrying about tomorrow? He says, your heavenly father will take care of you. Do you know what the problem is? We just worry people. We worry way too much. Why? Because we take things into our own hands. We think they're ours to do with what we want to do instead of giving them to God and giving back to God and say, God, you are the one. You are the owner. Now you can take care of me. It's a human problem. And you know, I believe in being cautious. I believe in not just going home and emptying your bank account, go down to Baltimore City and just give it to any person who's asking for money. That would be a little foolish for you to do that. I believe in being conservative. I'm conservative in the things that I have uh, with my possessions and, and, and the little wealth I have. But I also know that God is my provision. My employer is not my provision. 
The government, government is not my provision. My retirement plan is not my provision. The stock market is not my provision. But God is my provision. And he's promised to take care of me. He's promised to take care of you. And if we believe what God said in 2 Peter, he says, God has given you everything that you need to live a godly life. You know, one day Jesus told the multitudes that followed him. He says, if you want to gain eternal life, then you need to take up your cross and follow me. He was saying, you need to die to yourself and you need to come and follow me. And the Bible says at that time, many people no longer followed Jesus. Jesus went from thousands upon thousands of following him to in the end of his life, there was probably about 120 people who followed him. Why did so many go away from Jesus when Jesus said that? Because it meant that they had to give away what they thought they owned. It meant they had to die to their gods And then follow the one true God. And you see, the majority of us this morning, we are so enslaved to sin. We're enslaved to money. We're enslaved to our possessions. And the thought of giving anything away just gives us night sweats. We just can't cope. Well, how am I going to cope if I give anything away? If I give this life away? If I give this and that away? However, life does not have to be like that. For the life that relies entirely on Jesus. And the one who hands ownership over to Jesus. They let go of the vice grip of their possessions. And they take Jesus by the hand is the life that God blesses. The life that God rewards. And the life that God makes whole. Don't be like the young rich man. Don't fear like the third servant. I tell you, give freely. Give often. And trust the owner. Because he's your provider. And when you do that, you will find that there is freedom. And you will no longer be a slave to sin, but you will be a free man, a free woman. And start enjoying the journey of freedom until that day when eventually you arrive home and you receive the inheritance that God has for you. This morning, each of you, you know what you're holding on to. It's time to let go. And let God take control. Trust the owner. He'll provide for you. Don't fear. Let go of the vice grip. And take Jesus by the hand. And watch what a life of freedom can do for you. Let's bow our heads in prayer.